We love you, Lord. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Alright, well, we're there in John chapter number 6, and we read there a very short account of that story. Uh, Jesus walking on the water. And John 6 is not the only place where that story takes place. We get a little more details in different sections in the gospel. So I'd like you to do this just real quickly. Uh, we're going to be in John 6 for a little bit, then we're going to uh, go to uh, the book of Mark, chapter number 6, and we might turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 14. So if you just want to stick something, you know, a uh, bookmark or something in those passages, because um, we'll be going there, uh, that, that would be good. You'll get there faster. But John, chapter number 6, we'll just get straight into it. Look at verse number 14. John, chapter number 6, look at verse 14. The Bible says, Then those men, when they had seen that seen the miracle that Jesus did. If you remember, uh, last week we uh, preached on uh, Jesus Christ feeding the 5,000. When he, the, the lad there had uh, uh, five small loaves and two small fishes, and Jesus Christ was able to take those and, and uh, feed 5,000 uh, people there. The Bible tells us that there was 5,000, not including men and women. Uh, I'm sorry, not including uh, women and children. And so it was really a lot, uh, number bigger than 5,000, maybe 15,000 uh, people there. But we saw that story and how Jesus was able to feed those people and make that, pro- uh, make that provision for those people. And, and so that's what John 6.14 is referring to. When they saw the miracle that He did, He just got done feeding the 5,000. It says in verse 15, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take Him by force to make Him a king, He departed again into a mountain Himself. Alone. So the Bible says that Jesus, you know, He just gets done doing this great miracle. The people see it. They perceive He's a prophet. They perceive that He's that one that should come, that Messiah. They, they realize, hey, this isn't just a man. This is the Christ. And, and, and Jesus Christ knows they want to take Him by force. And He, he knows, hey, it's not my time yet. And this it wasn't what I came to this earth to do. So he, he goes by Himself into a mountain alone. Now, this isn't really much to do with the sermon, but uh, Jesus Christ gives us a, a great example there of taking time out of his day to be alone with God. And you know, every Christian should give that example, do that, you know, starting with me, we should all have that uh, lifestyle where we take time out of our day to pray and read the Bible. And you know, prayer time is probably the, 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 the thing that most Christians struggle with. As far as giving time God uh, in our day to pray. But Jesus Christ was able to... to even though he had a busy schedule, even though he had many things to do, and many people wanted to see him, many people wanted to talk to him, many people to preach to, and many places to go, he, he took the time, and he made the time, to go, and, and we see here that he decided, hey, I need to get along with God, and he decided, hey, I'm going to stay up all night long, and pray all night long, and because I need that time with God. And you know, that's, uh, that's something that we don't do as Christians, and we really need to make sure we take that time to pray and read our Bibles. You say, well, I don't have time to do it. Well, Jesus Christ didn't have time to do it, and He said, I'm just going to stay up all night long and do it. And, um, you know, if, if we did that, then we'd have to sleep all the, the rest, you know, that, that following day. But, hey, uh, he, he went to pray all night long, and I don't think he had any plans on sleeping the rest of the, the following day. He was just going to make time to, to get himself alone with God. Jesus took time to spend time with his Father. But look at verse 16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea, and entered into a ship, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. 
And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So I want you to just kind of get the story. They, they, the disciples get in a ship as they're out in the sea. Uh, the Bible says a wind, bl- uh, 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 wind blew. And they find themselves in the middle of a storm. And they're just out there by themselves. Now I, I want you to just see a few more details in other passages. If you go with me to Mark chapter number 6. You're in John there. Go to Mark chapter number 6. While you're going to Mark 6. I'm going to read for you Mark chapter, um, sorry, Matthew chapter number 14 and verse 24. So you go to Mark chapter number 6. And Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24 says. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Referring to the same story. Tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So this wind came down, it's making the waves uh, crash up against the, the ship there, it's in the midst of the sea, and they're just kind of stuck in the middle of a storm. Uh, the disciples found themselves in the midst of a storm. And you know, sometimes, and really the story, as, as they're... You know, the Bible, a lot of times it gives us these stories and, and God is trying to teach us something. And God is trying to teach us something that we can apply in our life. And really, the story of the disciples getting on this ship and they were on their way to Capernaum and they were on this trip. They're trying to pass the sea and they're, they're getting to a certain destination. That's really just a, uh, uh, an illustration of our lives. You know, I, I don't know if you remember when we were in, in Genesis uh, talking about the Noahic flood there. But, but Jesus Christ represents that ark and, and this boat, you know, represents Jesus Christ. And really, our lives are just, we're on this ship called Jesus. Jesus Christ, and we're just navigating through life, and we're just uh, uh, going through life and trying to get to to our destination, you know, to the other shore, which the Bible, you know, a lot of times makes that reference of, of getting to the other shore uh, is, is a reference to getting to, to heaven. So really, you know, the, the, the illustration of this is that the disciples are on this ship, and they're traveling, and, and, and they find themselves in the middle of a storm, and a lot of times, you know, we as Christians will get saved, and we'll get on that boat, you know, that ark, Jesus Christ, and we'll go on our journey just traveling through life, trying to get to that other shore, but the problem is that that many times as you're traveling to that shore, you find yourself in the middle of a storm. You find yourselves, uh, yourself in, a, in the middle of problems. And if you're there in Mark chapter number 6, look at verse 45. The Bible says, And straightway He constrained His disciples to get into the ship. So now Mark chapter number 6 gives us a little more details. It says, And straightway He constrained His disciples to get into the ship. So, and I want you to get this. To make matters a little worse, these disciples, it wasn't their idea to get on the ship. And I don't know if we're going to have time to really get to it uh, in this sermon, but um, if, if you study the story out in, in, in Matthew chapter number 14, Mark chapter number 6, and, and John chapter number 6, you're going to find that Jesus Christ just got done feeding the 5,000. If you remember, the disciples were there, and they were the ones who were you know, being used to administer the food, and they were ministering to people, and they were, uh, and they were taking the food to all these people. But they themselves had grown cold in the ministry. And as they were helping others, and as they were serving others, and as they were working towards others, they themselves, the Bible says that they, they, they got cold, and they got hardened. And, and when, and when uh, Jesus fed those 5,000, they didn't even realize that was such a great miracle that He did. So Jesus Christ is the one who actually said, hey, get on a boat, I'm going to send the multitudes away, I need you to get in this boat, go over there, and He was actually sending them to go rest. He was sending them to take a little time off, because they'd been working real hard. He said, you just get on the boat, you get on the ship, and you go down this way, I'm going to go down to the mountain, I'm going to pray, and we're going to take some time to, you know, recharge our batteries. So you can imagine these disciples, as they're in the middle of the ship, what do they think of themselves? If, you know, this is what I'd be thinking of myself, and, you know, I'm... I'm 
kind of a cynical, bitter person, I guess. But I've been thinking to myself, this wasn't even my idea to get on this ship. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't, this wasn't my idea to, to get in this boat. And I'd be thinking, we're going to die in this storm. The winds are, uh, you know, the, 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 the water is going to get on the boat and we're going to collapse. Or, we're gonna, or we're, something's going to happen. We're going to die here. And I'd be thinking to myself, I didn't even want to do this. Because the Bible makes that very clear. Mark 6.45 And straightway he, referring to Jesus Christ, constrained his disciples. You know that word constrained? I mean, he's saying, he, he forced them, he told them, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. You know, to, to make things worse in the story, Jesus put them in the ship to begin with. And sometimes... You find yourself going through life, and you find yourself in the midst of a, of, of, a, of a storm, and a lot of times you think to yourself, I'm in this storm because I'm trying to do right. I'm in this storm because I'm trying to follow what Jesus Christ said. I'm in this storm, I'm in this problem, I've got these issues, because I'm trying to follow what the Bible says, I'm trying to uh, be a good wife, or I'm trying to be a good husband, or I'm trying to be a good uh, parent or child, or I'm trying to be a good, a good uh, Christian, and I'm, I'm trying to do right, and now look, I, this is where Christianity got me. This is where Jesus Christ got me. He told me to get on the boat. He said we're going to get rest. He said we're going to be able to take some time off. And as we're going on our way through this life, we find ourselves and now we're getting ready to die. And sometimes you'll find yourself in problems. And you think to yourself, you know, I wouldn't be in this mess, mess if I wouldn't have listened to Jesus. Sometimes doing what Jesus says will bring you problems. I don't know if you know that. Sometimes doing what Jesus says will, will bring you into a storm. And it will bring you into that place where you just are wondering, I don't know what's going to happen. But look at verse 47. Mark chapter number 6, verse 47. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea. And look what it says. And he, referring to Jesus Christ, alone on the land. So his disciples were in the midst of the sea, and Jesus Christ was the only one alone on the land. So, not only are they on the ship that he put them on, not only is he God, so he knew that the storm was coming, but now they're thinking to himself, man, he, he, there's a reason why he didn't come on the ship. You know, you know, would you be thinking this way? I'd be thinking this way. I mean, so Jesus is God. Jesus knows that the storm was coming. He constrained us to get on the ship, and then he told us he wasn't coming. He's alone on the land, so now not only are they in the middle of a storm, they're feeling pretty lonely. They're feeling like they've gotten set up. They're feeling like they've gotten uh, you know, put in a trap. At least that's how I would be feeling. But look at verse 48. And this is, you know, sometimes we read these stories and we, and we miss these things. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus Christ was the only one who was not on the ship. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus Christ was the only one who was not in the storm. But look at verse 48. The Bible says, And He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Now, there, well, look at verse 49, and then we'll give you some few thoughts on these verses. And when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed they had been a spirit, and cried out. So the Bible says, and he saw them. Now the idea is that he's up on this mountain, and he's praying. And I, the way I envision this, he's praying, and he's able to overlook this sea there. And he's able to overlook this, and he's watching them as the ship is being tossed to and fro, and as it's going with the, with the winds and with the waves. And he's watching them the whole time. And, and the idea is this, you know, you may be going through life, and you may 
may find yourself in the midst of a storm, and you might find yourself in the midst of a battle, and you may find yourself in the midst of, of, of problems and issues, but as you're going and you're thinking to yourself, where is Jesus? I'm on this ship by myself because He sent me here, and I'm, I'm going in this road, and I'm going in this journey because He sent me here, and He's not here with me. But let me tell you something, the entire time, the disciples might have felt lonely, and they might have felt uh, alone, but Jesus Christ was watching them the whole time. Isn't that beautiful to know that? That He saw them toiling and rowing the whole time. And not only did He see them, but the Bible says He cometh unto them walking upon the sea. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, think about that. Jesus Christ decides, I'm going to go out to, to the disciples, and He just starts walking on water. I mean, that's amazing. I don't know if, if, you've, ever, if, if you've ever thought that, thought about that or envisioned that, but He was literally walking on water. Coming out to them. And now here's what, I think this is a little funny. Look at the last part of verse 48. It's a, it's a little comical to me. The Bible says, and would have passed by them. So see, Jesus Christ, you know, we think He was coming out to help them, but the Bible says, you know, He would have passed by them. What does that mean? That means, I mean, you got to envision this. There's the water, and there's the winds, and there's the waves, and there's the storm, and maybe it's raining, maybe there's lightning, maybe there's thunder, and this boat is just going, you know, out of control, and the, they're, they're toiling, and they're trying to row, and they're trying to get to land, and they don't know what's going to happen, and here comes Jesus Christ, and He's just walking by. And the Bible says, He would have walked by them. Now look what, look what it says. He would have passed by them, but when they saw Him walking upon the sea, they supposed to have been a spirit, and cried out. So the Bible says they, he, he would have just walked right by them. Because He was getting over to the other side. You know, that was His mode of transportation. I'm just going to walk through the sea. And when they cried, look at verse 50, the Bible says, For they all saw Him, and were troubled, and immediately He talked with them. So when they cried out, He talked with them, and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now here's, here's what you got to understand. And here's a very good idea. When you find yourselves in the middle of a storm, you cry out to Jesus Christ. Because if they wouldn't have cried out, it's very clear, if they wouldn't have cried out, He would have passed right by them. Isn't that crazy? I mean, think about how funny that is. Jesus Christ would have just been, you know, on a walk, on the sea. And he would just walk right by them and got over. But, but when he heard them, when they cried out, and you know, I don't think he would have walked by them. I think the, the purpose he was going there was to save them, was to help them. But he wanted to hear them cry out. He wanted to hear them ask for help. And a lot of times when we find ourselves in trouble, and we find ourselves in a storm, and we find ourselves, you know, not knowing what to do, and it looks like everything is lost, and it looks like uh, there, there's nothing for us to do, now, you know, we find ourselves running from God as opposed to crying out to God. And it's a very human uh, nature to run from God when you need Him the most. But Jesus Christ, he, he, you know, He was there, He made Himself available, and if they wouldn't have cried, He would have just passed right by them. He saw them the whole time. They might have felt alone, but He was watching them the whole time. He came to them, but He acted as if He would have passed by them if they had not cried out. Now let me show you. Let me show you a very interesting part of this story too. I think you're in Mark, right? Let's go to Matthew chapter number fourteen. Matthew chapter number fourteen, and we'll look at something that Matthew, the book of Matthew, tells us about the story that doesn't isn't seen in the, in the rest of uh, in the rest of the passages there. Matthew chapter number fourteen, and look at verse number twenty-eight. Matthew fourteen, and look at verse twenty-eight. The Bible says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, 
and I don't know, this story fascinates me. Because first there's Jesus walking on water, but then Peter sees him. You know, they cry out to him and he says, Hey, you know, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then Peter says, Hey, Lord, if, it's, if, if, if it be thou, because remember, they think it's a spirit, they think it's a ghost, they think it's some sort of a, you know, some weird thing. And he says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come, on, uh, come unto thee on the water. And Jesus Christ gives no explanation. He doesn't say, Peter, are you sure you want to come in the water? Peter, do you see the storm? Peter, do, do you understand that you cannot normally walk on water? He, he only gives, you know, Peter has the boldness, Peter has the guts, or Peter has the stupidity to ask Jesus Christ for something so miraculous to say, hey, if it's you, bid me come. And here's what Jesus Christ says. He says, come. Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, the Bible says he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Could you imagine that? I remember when I was a little kid, um, you know, I'd hear this story in Sunday school or whatever, you know, preach, and, 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 I, and I would think, man, I, I wonder, if, wouldn't it be amazing, and, I, you know, I wouldn't go out to the sea or anything, but if there'd be like a puddle or something, I'd try to just put my foot on the water, and i try to like not put my weight on the foot, you know, I'm not, I don't know if you've ever done this, but i try to just put my foot on the water and see if I could apply pressure on it to, to you know, obviously it never worked, you know and your foot just got wet or whatever. But I just think it's amazing that Peter was literally able to walk on water. And there's really, and this tells us there's two types of Christians in this world. There are, see, because remember, the boat represents Jesus Christ. They're all saved. They're all on their journey. They're all trying to get to the other shore. You know, one day we will all get to the other shore uh, in heaven there. And they find themselves in the midst of a storm, which we will all at some point find ourselves in the midst of the storm. If you haven't gone through a trial uh, in your life yet, uh, you better get ready because you will. And, and as you, every Christian is going to go through trials and through tribulations and through uh, afflictions. And, and, and we all find ourselves in that way. But look, there are two types of Christians. There are those who wait for Jesus Christ to come to them. Like the disciples on the boat. No, what do you mean by that? Well, there's those types of Christians who get saved. They get on the boat. They start off on the journey. But they're waiting for Jesus to come to them. They're waiting for Jesus to appear in the cloud. They're waiting for Jesus to rapture them up and to go to heaven. There are those who wait for Jesus Christ to come to them. And then there are some people, like Peter, who say, I'm not going to wait for Jesus to come. I'm going to go out and I'm going to meet Him. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something extra. I'm going to go out and I'm going to ask for something a little more miraculous, a little more impossible. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to meet Jesus Christ. Peter wasn't content just being on the boat. Peter wanted to do something more. Peter wanted to do something amazing. And here's the thing. And, and you gotta, you got to understand this. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a deal to you. But Peter walked on water. I mean, other than Jesus Christ who is God, no other human being on planet Earth has ever had the opportunity. No one in heaven... You know, when we all get to heaven and, and we're telling all sorts of stories and, and Abraham is talking about how he left, you know, the Ur of Chaldees and, 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 you know, was willing to sacrifice Isaac, you know, and had faith there. And David is talking about when he killed Goliath. And, and you and I, you know, and, and, and Christians, and we're talking about, you know, all the tribes we went through and the people we got saved. And, you know, some Christians are going to be sitting there saying, oh, you know, telling people everything they didn't do because they didn't get out of the boat ever. But, you know, Peter's going to be saying, hey, I, I walked on water. I was able to, you know, uh, Jesus came, you know, we're going to say, we know Peter, we've all read the story, but he said, hey, I've walked on water because there's no other human being who ever walked on water. 
other than Peter. That's amazing. I'd love to walk on water. That'd be great. I, I think that would be the coolest thing ever, you know, to, to have the opportunity to walk on water. But, but you've got to keep this in mind. And I, and I want you to get this. The only reason Peter got this great opportunity to walk on water is because he found himself in the midst of the storm. You understand that? If there was no storm, he would never walk on water. Does that make sense to you? If Jesus would have sent, constrained them and put them on the ship and said, go, you know, take some vacation time. And he would have gone off to the, to, to the mount to pray. And it would have been easy sailing. And they would have got to the other side, no problem. Peter would have never walked on water. Jesus Christ would have never met them. But when the storm came, then Peter had this opportunity where he was able to go and he was able to do something amazing and he was able to do something miraculous and he was able to do something that no one else had ever done. And here's why. Because he found himself in the midst of the storm. And many times, the, the, the stories that are going to be the amazing stories when we get to heaven and, and those battle wounds that you're gonna, we're going to be able to talk about and those things that are going to yield us rewards are going to be those things that we do when we find ourselves in the midst of the storm. You know, I, I, I think of this family, I think of them often. Uh, they used to go to church with us at, at uh, the church we went to before we started this church. And they, they had lost, and this was maybe 10 years ago, but they, they lost their 8-year-old child. You know, um, they were never able, they never knew what happened. They went to bed one night, woke up the next day, and he was gone. He, he just... Died in his sleep. The doctors were never able to give them a, a, uh, a reason why he died. They didn't know. They, the doctors, the way they explained it, they said, you know, he didn't have a heart attack. He didn't have any sort of trauma. There was nothing in, their, in his body that was, it just seems like, you know, this is what the doctor said to him. It just seems like somebody just turned off the switch and he just died. You know, and I think that story and that, you know, and that, that brother who told, you know, him and his wife were telling me and my wife their story and they were saying how, how they, obviously they were broken and obviously they were, you know, they were in pain and obviously they were pain. But I remember they, 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 they said, we, we didn't allow that storm to cause us to get mad at God. They said, as the storm came, we were able to just continue to go to church and we were able to uh, go to God in prayer and we were able to actually get closer to God because of it. Let me tell you something. Many people will hear that story and many people will hear that testimony because here's the thing. If somebody says to me, you know, if, if let's say that brother and that sister would have came to me and they said, hey, you know what? Uh, we've been serving God for 20 years and we got a great life. We've never gone through anything. We've never had any issues. We've always had money. We've always had a house. We've always had somewhere to eat. We've always had food. We've, always had, we've never had no problems. They, they said to me, hey, we've been serving God for 20 years. That's not going to do much for me when I'm going through a struggle. That's not going to do anything for me when I'm going through trouble. But when they're going to say, hey, we were in the midst of a storm, and we, and we lost our son, and we were going through all this pain and all this heartache. And, and, and at that point, when they say, hey, we're going to do something for God, and we're going to continue on, then that becomes impressive. Because they're in the middle of a storm. Does that make sense to you? When, when you're in the middle of a storm, you have an opportunity to just do something and to show other people that you're different than the average Christian who would just give up at that point. You're different than the other disciples who were just going to stay on the boat and just wait for Jesus to come. Peter was different than those other disciples because in the middle of a storm, he was able to say, Hey, God, if it's really you, Lord, bid me come. And he was able to go. 
You know, I remember I had a conversation with somebody and they said, uh, they were telling me that they're going to get a divorce and they're going to leave their spouse. And they said, you know, I just can't deal with this pain or I can't deal with, you know, the betrayal. I can deal with this. And I remember telling them, you know, this is your opportunity. See, it's easy to stay married when everything's good. It's easy to stay married when everybody is happy. It's easy to get, stay married when, when there's no betrayal, when there's no adultery, when there's money in the bank, and when everything's going good, and when we're taking trips, and we're going on vacations. But when you're going through the storm, when you're going through the struggle, when it's hard, that's when you show Jesus Christ, hey, I'm serious about this. Because no one else asked Jesus, hey, in the midst of the storm, let me get out and let me walk on water. But Peter said, hey, I want to be different from the crowd. And there are those who stay on the boat, and there are those who get out of the boat. But the only time you get that opportunity is in the midst of a storm. See, when you, the opportunity you get to shine is when you're in the middle of a storm. I remember we used to play uh, baseball when I was a kid. And you know, many times you'd, you, you'd, uh, you'd you know, I don't know, you, you'd hit like an RBI. You know, I don't know if you know what an RBI is, but that's when you hit, uh, you know, the ball, and because of your hit, someone got to score. Now look, RBIs happen all the time. And nobody cares. It's just part of the game. But you know when an RBI becomes real special? At the ninth inning, when there's two outs, and you're down by one. You know, when the pressure's on, those things that become normal now become more special. Because, see, at the first inning, when, I, when you're first able to play, you're in RBI, who cares? You just made a point. We got four more hours of the game. But at the last inning, at the last out, when, when I mean, it's either this or nothing, at that point, that single run that you bring in, hey, that's special. That single run that you bring in, hey, that's amazing. Why? Because when the pressure was applied, those little things we do become way more special. See, see Peter knew the seas. He was a fisherman. He'd been out to the sea, and he'd been out. You know, he'd been swimming many times. It's not special to ask, hey, Jesus, can I go out on the water when there's no storm? Can I go on the water when there's no danger? Can I go on the water when there's no pressure? But when the storm comes, you have that opportunity to shine. And that's where you show Jesus Christ, hey, I'm serious about this. Hey, I'm serious about uh, loving you and working for you and following you. The only reason Peter got this great opportunity is because he found himself in the midst of a storm. And you know, a lot of times we will take a day like Thanksgiving and we'll say, I have nothing to be thankful for. Because I'm going through the storm. And we really have to learn to embrace the storm. Because when the storm comes, hey, that's when you earn your rewards in heaven. It's easy to go to church when everything's good. It's easy to go soul winning when everything's good. It's easy to read your Bible when everything's good. It's easy to pray when everything's good. But when you're hurt and when you're uh, in the storm and when you find yourself just you know just not knowing what to do, hey, that's when you earn those rewards. That's when God says, and when God looks at it and says, man, that is impressive. That RBI sure became impressive when pressure was applied. But there's some problems with getting out of the boat. If you get out of the boat in your Christian life, it means that first step you take is going to be by faith. If you remember, and we'll get to it here in a little bit, but Peter began to sink. And Jesus Christ said to him, O thou of little faith. Jesus Christ said, you didn't have enough faith, that's why you couldn't keep walking, that's why you sank. But here's the thing, the flip side to that is Peter did walk for a few steps. And the flip side to that is when he first took that initial step out of the boat, he took that initial step by faith. So if you're going to get out of the boat, you're going to have to step out of the faith, uh, out by faith. If you're going to get out of the boat, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Getting out of, look, 
It's easy to come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It's hard to go out and knock on somebody's door to get the gospel. That may not be your comfort zone. That's the difference between those who stay on the boat and those who go out. It's, e- it's easy to stay where you feel comfortable, where you're secure, where you're, uh, you, know, you know the area. And you, and you know, but when you step out by faith, that's the difference between those who stay on the boat and those who get out of the boat. If you get out of the boat, it means you may fail. You make, see, uh, our, I really like an old pastor that I used to have would say this. You've got to make yourself vulnerable. And that's what Peter did. He made himself vulnerable. Because he, he stepped out in an opportunity to fail. And he did fail. We'll see that in a second. But he, he made himself vulnerable to God. And here's the thing. Peter failed because he got his eyes off of Jesus and he got his eyes on the storm. He got his eyes off of Jesus and he got his eyes on the storm. Look at Matthew chapter number 14. Look at verse 30. Matthew chapter number 14 and look at verse 30. The Bible says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, this is Peter, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. So Peter steps off the boat. The Bible says he actually walked on water. While he had his focus on Jesus Christ, he was able to walk on the water. While he had his faith intact, he was able to walk on water. But as soon as he got his faith off of Jesus Christ, as soon as he got his focus off of Jesus Christ, and he started paying attention to the wind, and how loud it was, and the waves, and the water, the Bible says he got afraid and he began to sink. And you know what? Many times in our Christian life, we sink when we should be walking on that water, and we sink when we should be something, doing something great for God, and we sink not because Jesus is impossible to do it, and not because God doesn't have the ability to let us do it, but because we got our focus off the right, wrong person. If you remember on Sunday morning, we were preaching that Thanksgiving sermon. And that, you know, there was nine, there was ten people that, he, that Jesus healed, and there was nine who did not come back, but there was one who came back to thank Him. And what was the difference from that one and those nine is that that one had the right focus. The nine were excited that they were healed. The one was excited about the one who healed them. So when you get your focus off of Jesus Christ, then you begin to sink. If you get off the boat, if you get out of the boat, it may mean you, you may fail. It may mean you may make yourself vulnerable. You may make a fool out of yourself. You know, I, I, I like the story. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody can correct me if I, if I say it wrong, but uh, I like the story of Abraham Lincoln. And we're told that Abraham Lincoln had ran for president multiple times. I, I want to say it was 15 times. I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not, uh, or if that's accurate. But I want to say it was 15 times. If that's wrong... Uh, you know, somebody will let me know, but uh, he, he ran for president 15 times and he lost every time and he just wouldn't quit. And that, you know, last time he, he, he got elected and Abraham Lincoln went down in history as one of the greatest presidents the United States of America has ever had. If not, you know, the greatest president. I mean, you know, I don't know, you, you debate different eras or whatever, but he was definitely a great president. You know, and I remember, and, and I'm not endorsing McCain, I don't like McCain, and let me just say that, I'm not endorsing McCain, but I, I remember when he w- was running for, for president again, people were, people were saying, man, you already ran, you know, give it a break, you know, and, uh, and that's true, you know, whatever, but, but what if Abraham Lincoln would have said that, you know, and he just had that, he had that, uh, he, he made himself vulnerable there, and he just said, I, I've got that stick tooth of this, and I'm just going to do it, and I, I need to be president, I know I've got to be president, and he failed, and he failed, and he failed, and after the second, or the third time, or the fourth time, or the fifth time, 
You know, many of us would have said, hey, I'm done with this. Those people don't like me. Those people don't want me president. But Abraham Lincoln just kept going and kept going. And he said, hey, I, I, if I fail, then I fail, but I'm just going to do this. And he went down in history as one of the greatest presidents. You've got to put yourself in the place where you're able to fail if you're going to do anything for Jesus Christ. If you get out of the boat, it means you may fail. If you get out of the boat, though, it means that God gets to use you in a mighty way. Peter did something nobody else had done. Peter was walking somewhere no one else had walked. Do you, do you realize that? No one else had walked on, on where Peter was walking. No one else did that. That's, that's, that's what I would like my life to end like. I would like to die and go to heaven and say I did things that no one else did. I was used by God in a way that no one else... And I'm not saying better or worse, but just differently. I found a purpose in my life where God allowed me to walk in a place that I shouldn't have been able to walk in. That, that, that you know, logically was not somewhere I should have been able to go. That scientifically, that's not somewhere I should have been able to do. That's Peter... You're not able to walk on water. But if you get your faith on Jesus Christ, Peter says, Hey, I can walk on water because Jesus Christ said, Bid me come. And you know, I'm not saying I want to walk on water, but I'd like to do something in my life where someone would say, But you're not able to do that. You know, people tell you, You're not able to build a church like the one you're trying to build in America today. It's too far gone. The preaching is too hard. The Bible is too real. The, the people are too sinful. It's, it's not politically correct. You cannot do that. And people will tell, you know, people tell us all the time, You cannot build a church. The way you're trying to do it. Just out knocking doors and, and having church on Sunday night. And having church on Wednesday night. You know, people tell me that. Why are you doing that? No one's going to come to that. Nobody uh, is going to, you know, just do the Sunday morning only. And, and then people, you know, and they tell you, this type of preaching and this style of, you know, and the hymns and the preaching and the screaming and the yelling. It cannot be done. And they say, you cannot build a church that way. Don't you look at all these other churches and see how they're being built. That's not how it's done. But let me tell you something. Somebody could have Peter, hey Peter, you can't walk on water. But hey, Peter was able to walk on water. Peter, scientifically impossible. I tried it. I put my foot on it. I tried to not, you know, leverage my weight. And I sink down. And Peter said, hey, if God says I can do it, then it can be done. But you've got to do it by faith. And God has somewhere for you to go and somewhere for you to walk and something for you to do. But you're never going to do it if you don't step out of the boat. You've got to get out of the boat. You know, even though he failed, don't you think the other disciples would have wished they would have walked on water? I would have. You know, even though he failed, uh, when, when, they, when they got to their destination, you know, I'm sure Peter was glad he stepped out by faith. When they, out of the 12 disciples there, who do you think had the most fun in this episode? Who do you think had the most fun in this story? Who do you think had the, the story? And who's going to be telling the story? You know, when we, I, I said when we get to heaven, Peter's going to be telling us, hey, I walked on water. The other disciples are going to say, yeah, we were there. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to have him be like, yeah, I, I was there. I, I watched that guy do something for God. I want to do something for God. And I want you to do something for God. And I want you to step out by faith. But you're not going to step out by faith unless you get out of the boat. And the problem with Christianity today is that people are just not willing to get out of the boat. Because they think church is boring. And they think God is boring. And they think the Bible is boring. And they'd rather just sit down in front of their stupid television for 12 hours, instead of, you know, serving God, and, and, and we need to just step out of the boat to do something for God. But let's just, just look at something real quick. Look at Matthew chapter number 14 and look at verse 30. Matthew 14 and look at verse 30. This story not only represents Christianity, but it also represents salvation. 
the story of Peter stepping out by faith doesn't only represent Christianity, but it, only represent, it also represents salvation. Let's look at this real quickly. Matthew 14.30, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. That was probably the shortest uh, prayer in the Bible. He said, Lord, save me. And look at verse 31. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand, and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore dost thou doubt? You know, this, this, song, this uh, story is also a picture of salvation. There's a song in the hymn book, we may sing it here in a second uh, when we're done, but it, it, it says these words, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters, lifted me, now safe am I. That, that song is referring to the story where Peter was singing there, and it's referring to salvation. The, the third verse of that song says, Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows His will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. You know, this... this this story here also represents salvation. Let me give you a few thoughts on that. As soon as Peter called out, and he said, Save me! The Bible says, Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. You know, Jesus didn't say, Peter, I need you to get baptized. Jesus didn't say, Peter, I need you to repent of your sins. Jesus didn't say, Peter, I need you to uh, go to the confessional booth. He didn't say, Peter, I need you to, you know, get filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, Peter, I need you to do this, or Peter, I need you to do that. He didn't say, Peter, you need to turn over a new leaf. He, he just said, hey, as soon as he opened his mouth and he cried out, he said, hey, Lord, save me. The Bible says, immediately he stretched forth his hand. As soon as he called for salvation, he saved him. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to follow any religion. He didn't have to read any book. He didn't have to go through any lessons. He didn't have to get disciples. He just got saved immediately. And not only that, but there was a definite moment when he got saved. Do you think when Peter, when Peter got back on the boat, and the disciples, you know, if somebody would ask him, Peter, how long have you been on the boat? Well, I've, kind of, I've been on the boat my whole life. You know what people say? Oh, are you saved? Do you know for sure if you die today, you go to heaven? I, I've been a Christian my whole life. Look, salvation is a moment in time. It's, it's, it's the moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a conversion. It's a moment. It's, it's, you, you're not born saved. That's what the Bible says. It's called being born again. Because it's a moment in time. Peter, uh, when did you get saved uh, from, the, from the sea? Peter, when did you get on the boat? Well, I, I've been on the boat my whole life. No, Peter, you haven't been on the boat your whole life. You were sinking in sin. You were on your way to death. You were dying and you had nothing to do. And when you cried out to Jesus Christ, He reached out and He put you on the boat. That's the moment Peter got, got you know saved, if we're using that as an illustration. That's the moment he was saved. And look, if you're here tonight, and you say, I, I don't have a moment in my life when I opened my mouth and cried out to Jesus Christ, and I confessed with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I believed in my heart, then you're not saved. Because salvation is a conversion. Conversion means it's, you, you turn. There, there's a difference there. You say, there was a time when I did not believe, but now I believe in Jesus Christ. So I asked Him to save me. You know, there was a time when maybe I believed that salvation came because I was baptized uh, as a child, or because I went through a special class, or because I went to church, or because I did something, and now I believe and I understand that it's not any of that, it's just Jesus Christ. 
And you get converted. It's a moment in time. You're not born saved. You get born again. And when is it? Immediately. Jesus Christ for his hand. As soon as he cried out, immediately he was saved. And look at verse 32, Matthew 14, 32. And when they were coming to the ship, look what it says, the wind ceased. Now this is very important, because you've got to understand this. If Peter would have, let's say Jesus Christ saved Peter, put him on the boat, right? If, if Peter would have just said a bad word, if Peter would have had a bad thought, if Peter would have done something wrong on the boat, you think Jesus Christ would have just taken him and thrown him back in the water? Said it. I'm, you know, Peter, you're worthless. I saved you, but I'm throwing you back in the water. That's not, that, that's not what Jesus Christ would have done. That, that's not the point. He wanted to save him from the water. But, you know, a lot, of people think, a lot of people think, well, yeah, Jesus Christ saves me, but if I don't live right, then I'm not, he's going to take away my salvation. Look, Peter, if you don't live right, Jesus Christ isn't going to throw you back in the water. He saved you from the storm. And here's, here's the important part of the story I, I want you to see. Even if Jesus wanted to throw him back in the storm, he couldn't. Because as soon as he saved Peter and he entered into the boat, the Bible says the wind ceased. As soon as he got saved and he entered into the boat, the storm was gone. There was no judgment. There was no condemnation. There was, look, even if Jesus Christ wanted to send me to hell, or even if Peter wanted to lose his salvation and go back in the storm, there was no storm to go back into. Once Jesus Christ saves you, once you make that decision, and you cry out, and you believe, and He picks you up from the miry clay, and He takes you out, you know, and from the sinking deep in the sand, and, and He puts you in the boat, there is no more judgment to cast you back into. You cannot lose your salvation. You can't go back in the storm. Jesus couldn't throw him back in the storm if he wanted to. Because when he saves you, the wind ceased. And the Bible says, we'll just read verses 33 and 34. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And, they, and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. So let's go ahead and just bow our heads while we'll have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father,